Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, and welcome to Maths Appeal. I'm Bobby Seagull. And I'm Susan Okureke. We are two maths teachers who think that maths is cool and we would love to show you that maths is cool as we think it is as well. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, we as at Maths Appeal, we love to get people involved. We want to make maths more accessible to people. We want to encourage people to do problems. And that's why um, we do Maths Appeal. So actually this series, against our second series, it's all been about problem solving and mathematical thinking. So just a way of like, almost like a way of life, like approaching problems in a logical mindset. So what we do is every single episode, we have a maths question and we work through it together. We know as teachers, it can be a bit difficult to sort of teach problem solving. And we believe the best way to get better at problem solving is to solve problems. And we decided to sort of share a structure of a way of tackling problems. And they're generally about getting people to ask questions to themselves, but we actually ask them to each other. And we start each problem before you do any maths, uh, you start to think about what's going on in your mind first. So first question you ask is, how do you feel when you first saw the problem or heard the problem? Does the problem make sense to you? Ask this to yourself. You know, are there any questions you have about the problem? And then what are the math topics in the question? So before you do any maths, you're starting to gauge where you're at, how you feel and what you already know before doing anything. So then while you're actually doing the problem, some more things to think about. Firstly, like, are there key facts you can identify from it? Then are there sort of any rules of formulae that you need to know to solve the question? Then finally, are there any sort of facts that you can go through and derive from the actual problems, like underlining and saying, oh, I can derive this. And then finally, are you in a position to actually go and tackle the question immediately? Right, Bobby, are you ready for our problem for this week? Yes, I am. <laughs> I think you're ready now. Listeners, I hope you're ready too. Get yourselves organised, get yourselves ready to tackle the problem and it will be coming after this. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So uh, the problem for today's episode is scientific. 
or astronomic. <laughs> so the length of a day on Earth is 24 hours. Uh, the length of a day on Mercury is 58 and two thirds times the length of a day on Earth. So what is the length of a day on Mercury in hours? So I'll say that one more time. So the length of a day on Earth is 24 hours. The length of a day on Mercury is 58 and two thirds times the length of a day on Earth. So what is the length of a day on Mercury in hours? Hope you're ready. Hope you're, your brain started to work, started to start thinking. Uh, and we're going to tackle that problem in just a moment. Uh, but first, we are going to talk about a debate that's being hotly discussed in the maths community. And should we rename maths numeracy? Bob, are you going to tell us a bit more about this? Yes. <laughs> so Andy Haldane is a former chief economist of the Bank of England, actually also trustee of national numeracy. And one of our favourite charities. Yes, it is. It is. <laughs> yeah. it, it's a maths appeals. One of our favourite charities, absolutely. And there was a, the headlines in the newspapers and the Times and the Daily Mail in the Metro. And the headlines, Susan said, maths called numeracy makes scary economists says. I mean, that's a weird headline, but essentially, <laughs> yeah, I know that, that, that's what it says on the website. But Not great English, mind. <laughs> yeah, I know. But yeah, they need better English. But that was the headline. But essentially, the, the, the top line of the discussion was, I'll read this paragraph. It says, the subject of maths should be referred to as numeracy to make it sound less scary and help people budget during the cost of living crisis, a top economist has said. Andy Haldane, formerly Bank of England's chief economist, said that calling the subject numeracy would help people use it in their everyday lives and convey the importance of numbers. Calling it mathematics makes it sound quite conceptual. Some people don't get conceptual stuff. Ooh. Ooh. Thoughts. Write a thousand word essay submitted by tomorrow <laughs> at six o'clock. Ooh, don't, some people don't get conceptual stuff. I'm not sure I agree with that statement as a mathematician. Do you know Andy Haldane, like his, his own story is, Obviously, this man is a very successful economist, was the chief economist of the Bank of England. And he actually revealed that he didn't actually take A-level maths, can you believe it, for oh, Britain's wow. most senior economist. And the quote is, he had to teach himself A-level math skills uh, wow. one summer before pursuing a degree in economics at the University of Sheffield. So he went into economics without a maths A-level, which is... That's Remarkable. quite unheard of, yeah, because economics is very math heavy. Mm. Um, but it's obviously like, you know, like uh, Brighton, like, yeah, clearly. you know, conscientious student to be able to do that. Because the discipline you need to be able to do that is not small. Because I'd say math, controversially, I'd say math A-level is one of the hardest A-levels to get. Mm. But I also, it's interesting his, his idea of that because <sighs> concepts, I think people understand concepts when they're explained well to them and they've engaged with what the concept is. And so yeah. I don't know if he's talking about abstract mathematics. So that's different to concept. That's different. That's, that's like yeah. a, a... I think with Andy, he talks a lot about, because I've met him many times. Mm -hmm. uh, I've spent, I spent an afternoon having coffee at the Bank of England with him once. Ooh, Amazing office nice. he had. And he was talking about how, you know, most people were using numbers for our day to day life, you know, like looking at interest rates or seeing if we've got a good value in our shopping, um, all the practical bits. But he said, the parts of maths, again, it is the bits that involve algebra and mm. graphs and maybe geometry. The ones that he thinks are not practical numbers based, that mm. scares people. So if we okay. change the subject title, maybe people go, oh, I hated maths, but ah, oh, numeracy, numbers are okay. So the problem we have, I think, with this 
statement. So I, I don't, I, I'm not arguing with him. So I actually think a lot of what he's saying is kind of, is real. Like, but there's a bigger question. As a teacher in, in a school, you know, there's a subject of maths. And to rename it, I think, wouldn't work because it is maths, it's not numeracy. There's another argument of like for me, I, I and I. This is my argument that I think I know what you're going to say. So say it. I'm going to tell you for if, if I if you thought. agree. Yeah. Okay. So my thing is, I think there should be two courses. One is math GCSE and one is numeracy GCSE. Hallelujah. And, Amen. And, and just, see, <laughs> preach, brother. Preach, sister. <laughs> um, I think there needs to be. We need to think about the subjects as different because, as you say, like there are some people who will love doing algebra or will need to do algebra or geometry in more depth for their subjects beyond school, okay? And they should do maths GCSE and then potentially maths A-level. But 100% of people in this country, in the world, let me say it, in the world, mm -hmm. need to be like competent and confident in numeracy, which mm -hmm. involves looking after your, you know, your household, being able to work out percentages, being able to know basic measure and convert between them, being able to problem solve with regards to real life things mm -hmm. like your mortgage, like you know, is this a good, is this a good deal or not? And so, renaming it, I think, is 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 not the most useful thing to do. I think there's a massive discussion that should be being had about the qualification that's done in school regarding maths and numeracy for people going into the real world. And a thing I'm putting forward, I think Bobby's already preached, he's like with me with this, is we have two separate uh, subjects, maths and numeracy. I think, I'm pretty certain when I've mentioned this topic before to friends, mm. um, there's some people in Scotland and they said they used to have something like a maths and an arithmetic subject, like back in the oh, 60s or right. 70s. And okay. everyone did, arithmetic wasn't the same as maths, which is more conceptual and abstract, but arithmetic had the practical numeracy, essentially what we talk about. So I genuinely think, yeah, maybe maths appeal, we should start a campaign. We'd love to, again, we'd love to hear listeners' thoughts on whether you think there should be a separate, almost like a separate GCSE. New, yeah, exactly no. what you said. I, I I would completely back it because everyone would do the numeracy yeah. and most people would do the maths. Like yeah. if you're someone that's getting a grade one or grade two, which is like one of the, the lowest grades, maybe maths wouldn't be appropriate, but definitely try and get the numeracy. Yeah, and maybe it's about thinking about when we offer it. Do we get everyone to do numeracy in year nine? If you haven't got it in year nine, yeah. you keep doing it to year 11. Like I think I do not have the, we, we do not have the answers, no. but we definitely have some questions to think about. Like how fit for purpose is maths GCSE? If you think, so what is the purpose of maths GCSE? What, yeah, like it, what, you know, yeah. what's the purpose? So, like, so some people think, is it just to prepare you for A-level maths? There we go. Is it, or is it, if 100% of people who are doing it and have to do it, isn't it, shouldn't it be, be more about utility and agency mm. about using maths in the real world? And if that is the case, is what they're learning at GCSE and in year seven and eight and nine and at primary school, is it really equipping them to be competent human beings in the working world with this stuff if they take it only to foundation level and that's kind of what because the majority of people do that you know what i mean it's mm. kind of what we're thinking there so i don't know like i think it's a great conversation that, that um andy haldane has kind of like put out there i think it's you know i think we should be talking about like, how does it how does this make people feel but also thinking about what are the practicalities of things regarding how maths is used in the real world and what is numeracy and what is maths because can you just change the names do they mean the same thing do you know what i mean that's a big question and i'd also like to think you know is it about marketing it differently because you, you can't i think you can't just change a name that's like too complicated and difficult 
but it's definitely a big discussion that I'd love to, yeah, as you had said, Bobby, like hear more of opinions of other people and also get people further up talking about it. Because I think, mm. I, I, you know, I regularly have taught year 11 kids, you know, I've, this is my, for many years, get ready for the GCSE. And they're just moments when I'm delivering stuff to them, knowing that the, most of the kids I'm teaching aren't going to take maths yeah. A-level because I'm teaching foundation students. And there are times when I'm delivering things to them and just going, this is a waste of your time and a waste of mine. Like, you know, like in, like in, I think in foundation GCSE maths, you have to learn by rote certain trigonometric identities which is that's in the insane. paper isn't it? it's grade yes. five question yep. so you need to learn what sine of 30 is a half sine of 60 is root three and two and obviously as mathematician that's really cool like how you derive it from first principles but if you're someone that's struggling with arithmetic and numeracy mm. just learning them off by rote just for one day in june in the gcse doesn't really serve much of a purpose and I think we put that out there, Bobby, that's a bigger question that we'd love to get the world to mm -hmm. get. Definitely UK, England talking about. So watch this space, yo. <laughs> <laughs> we preach, we preach a separate Preaching. numeracy qualification. So I think it's time for us to get back to our puzzle. We put a puzzle out there for people in two ways. One is a question uh, and one is a bigger thought process. Yeah. So yeah, can you remind us of what the, the, the puzzle is for today? Yeah, that we're so going the to try puzzle was out? Uh, out of this world. Um, <laughs> uh, so actually, just to tell you, this problem is from a key stage two SATs exam at year six. So it's something that 11 year olds throughout the country would have done. Yeah. So that's, um, so that's why if you thought, oh, that sounds like, a, you know, maths appeal have made it very accessible today because, you know, we're trying to show maths is for not just GCSE or A-level students, it's for everyone. So it's something which, you know, and again, national numeracy had the stat that one in two adults has a numeracy of an 11 year old. So this is actually quite an appropriate question. So the length of a day on Earth is 24 hours yeah. and the length of a day on Mercury is 58 and two thirds times the length of a day on Earth. So what is the length of a day on Mercury in hours? Right. So, Susan, we know the drill now. So yeah. how, when you first saw the problem, what, what were your thoughts? When I first saw this problem, I was like, okay, that's fine. I get it. I know what I need to do. And then I thought to myself, so these are year seven kids, so they're 11, and they're doing it without a calculator. And then I thought, oh, gosh, this is long. <laughs> that's, mm. what, that's what I thought. Um, because, yeah, I think that you have to do some calculations like this at secondary school. But in primary school, they're expected to do this pen and paper uh, mm. and not with a calculator, which I think in real life you'd use a calculator for this. So if you did, totally fine. But just think 11 year old kids are expected to do this without a calculator. Yes, that's what make, I guess that's what brings the additional the mechanical operational challenge. So did it make sense to you? Did you have any questions that you thought, hmm, what's this on about? You know, I, for me, it was OK. I think the idea of two, 58 and two thirds, I've done this with some teachers before. Uh, and I think the fraction part, I think, can sometimes be jarring to some people. I'm hoping when we when you read it out, people understood what the two thirds meant as well, because they might not have seen it for a while. Mm, that's a good point. And then what, what topics really uh -huh. um, screamed out at you from this? For me, it was, yes, yeah, so a multiplication fractions so mixed numbers so uh, yeah yeah mixed numbers uh, and time so measure yes so yeah how did you solve the problem let me let us know what so was your that, that's my, that's my question to you isn't it oh so yes i know i'm like trying to get away with the, like <laughs> yeah ask me the quest yeah question. so because yeah, how did the you calculator did, did you use a calculator straight in yes well, well yeah i will now do i'll now do it the the authorised way for year seven. Well, year but, it's, but I think it's interesting. So with your calculator, did you use a scientific one? Um, I used a, one on my computer. <laughs> okay, and how did you do it on your computer? Because I'm interested to know what you did for two thirds. Oh, I did it as two separate bits. I did 58 
Yeah. Um, although afterwards I realized, ah, oh, this is an easy number to do. I did 58 times uh, the 24, then the two thirds times the 24. But then I realized, actually, I can do one bit of it really easily. It doesn't okay. need a, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm asking the, the, the calculator thing because I think some people might not know how to do fractions on the calculators. Oh, yes, because to be honest, yeah, you press 58, then there's like an ABC like fraction thing. You press oh, 58, okay. that fraction button, then two, then the fraction button, then third. So it's actually not very intuitive unless you've seen it before. Yeah. So, Many um, times that by 24. So you did it as a 58 and two thirds on your calculator and then multiply by 24. And then how would you have done it without your calculator? You don't have to go into the detail details. Yeah, so just 58 times 24. I probably, so I know there's something called a grid method for multiplication. I just use the standard column method. Um, although kids are now, they talk column now rather than uh, yeah. grid again. It goes in cycles. It'll come back. When you listen to this podcast in like 10 years, it'll be like, oh, they've got the three-dimensional uh, orthogonal method of solving it. But who knows? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the two-thirds times 24, actually, that one you can do as arithmetic because you split up the 24 into three parts uh, of eight and eight and then you need two of those parts of 16 so you can add that onto the the product of 58 and 24. Brilliant okay so I because I knew we were going to go through this I suddenly thought is there another way of doing it without like doing column method or mm. um, grid method and I was like okay what do we know with these numbers so 24 I kept and then that's what we're multiplying by 58 and two mm -hmm. thirds so then I thought how can I split 58 up into easy ways of doing things oh, so yeah. I thought let's do it so I was going to think I was thinking about doing it kind of without the standard method so I did 24 which is what we start with to, mm -hmm. to, to, to multiply by so I did 50 then by eight, which I'm going to add to it, and then yeah. by two thirds. So I'm doing it in parts. So oh, okay. 24 times 50. So the way I do that quickly, I do 24 times 100, which is 2,400, then half it to get mm -hmm. 50. So oh, 1,200. So that's yes. put that in the bank, 1,200 in the bank. So then to multiply something by eight, you double it, oh. double it again, that's times by four, yeah. then double it again, that's times by eight. So then Ooh. 24 gives you 48, so double, like that's that. times two. Times by two again gives you 96, then multiplied by two gives you 192. Lovely. Put that in the bank, in the bank. Nice. And then two thirds, you find one third, which is 24 divided by three, which is eight. Mm -hmm. And then two thirds times that by two, which is 16. Then I add them all together. To give us 1408 hours. And you also yes. learned that a day in Mercury, never tell someone, I'll give it to you now, I'll give it to you tomorrow. <laughs> if you are Mercury, you mean? Yeah, it will take. <laughs> 1408 hours. <laughs> um, think about different, what would be mad is if you think about all the different other planets you could mm. work out, that, um, which ones move quicker than others. I don't know. I don't, my uh, general science, my cosmic knowledge is not that great, <laughs> but I'd love to know more. So then we'd love to, as you say, as always, we'd love to hear what your solutions are. We're going to share how Bobby and I did our solutions. We're going to show the visuals of that, post it on Twitter and Instagram. And as always, we'd love to hear from you to share your ideas as well. And as always, we finish with Bobby telling us a maths fact. Mm, so we're going to stay on the theme of astronomy. So Susan, a question to you first. Okay. How are planets, or how have they been discovered in our solar system? I don't know. People look at them from the f telescopes? Yeah, know. quite literally. So initially, like, you know, <laughs> some antiquity. Oh, there's Mars. I can see it looks like a little star. But right. it can't be a star because it seems to be rotating around the same parallel or plane as us and the sun. So initially just looking it up. So you just observe it, eyes or then telescope. But in our solar system, did you know there was a planet that was discovered just using maths? 
What? Just what using you... maths. It's bonkers. So what? this, yeah, this, this sounds <laughs> insane because it, it is a little bit insane. So the planet Neptune was actually predicted by maths to exist before they actually they saw it. Wow. So so before they then before they saw the planet, someone had said there's going there's something in that space in that region. Yes. And then okay. So so, wow. so we go back to 1781 initially. So there's <laughs> sure. a brother and sister cool duo called William and Caroline Herschel. And they actually had a homemade telescope and they found Uranus. That's how you pronounce it. Is that anyone? <laughs> Sorry, Susan's laughing now. Uranus. Badly named planet, man. Anyway, um, so I'm by. An adult. Yeah, I know. By the mid 1840s, about 1847, Uranus had actually made a full orbit around the sun. Right. And by that stage, they had lots of data. And what the data or the numbers showed was there's a discrepancy in Uranus's path around the sun because according to Newton's law of gravitation it, follow, it should follow a particular path but the data showed or indicated that there should be something ma like massive beyond Uranus <laughs> I know there's all like so much in the end that had affected the course of that planet's orbit and they're like oh actually there must be something beyond that so later they actually found that that discrepancy was Neptune's gravity pulling on the planet Uranus Oh, wow. So they were like, something's not quite right. So we think there's something in the way. And then they, they put that. How long did it take before they were like, they had made a prediction? And when did they actually see it for the first time? So you know I think it's like, a, like in the same decade, but wow. Yeah. So, but it's impressive that, so the, there's two, there's a French mathematician, astronomer called uh, Le Verrier and a British astronomer, John Couch Adams. They independently both said, oh, there must be Neptune. I think it's a pretty astonishing fact. I think it's amazing. Thank you, Bobby, always for extending our minds. <laughs> Obviously, if you get any more facts or problems, please get in touch. We're at Maths Appeal on Twitter and Instagram. And we're also on uh, the amazing email. So email us at mathsappeal1, the number one, at gmail.com. And we really appreciate you downloading this episode of Maths Appeal. And we'd be incredibly grateful if you give us a five-star rating or tell your friends or spread the word. Those things really do make a difference. So you've been listening to Matt's Appeal with Susan O'Kreke and Bobby Seagull. Uh, the music's composed by Kelly O'Kreke. The image design is by Calix Davis. And our wonderful producer is Jenny Nelson. So we'll see you for our next episode where we're going to solve more math problems. And we have the incredible guest, stand-up mathematician Matt Parker. So don't miss out.